my gosh, hello. How are you? Great. I had a little like feedback issue and it was just like a gray screen, so I was like freaking out for a second. Oh, let me see. yeah, well, it was gonna be a performance piece. I was gonna, you know, just do Sister Ray by uh, Velvet Underground, like a 25 minute version of it. Being, it would've been excellent, but you know, not for this crowd. You don't think so? You don't think this crowd is like this? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. How's Texas? Hot as fuck. <laughs> it's supposed to get 100 um, coming up next week, though. Um, I think I will miss that because I think I'm actually on my way back up uh, towards the northern states uh, starting sometime tomorrow. Uh, but fun story or not fun story, I do not have air conditioning in my car. So, which is fine by me. I love driving with the windows down and, you know, double make hair see whatever flies in your car but it's not, when you go through arkansas yeah i was gonna say when you when you go through arkansas there will be prehistoric insects so <laughs> it should, should be fun but yeah i i lived in uh, austin for about a year the, the day i left it was a uh, october something uh yeah it was, it was hot as satan's taint there it was about like 102 so wonderful Hot of Satan's taint, 102. So I don't think I'll be there for quite that. So, but um, welcome everybody. I don't know exactly where Andy is, but that's okay. We don't need him to start because we're here to honor our guest here, Andrew. And if you are a fan of his, you've known his work for quite a bit. I know you just had a, a chapbook recently come out from one of our other Unraveled uh, Influence guests. Uh, we had Steve, who is the uh, originator of the publisher of QP's Custom, yep, yep. Uh, came through. And, I did, did um, it's Clay Hunt. I got, got to throw Clay, Clay's name in there because Clay Hunt was integral putting it together. So it was, it's, yeah, that was just released. Um, Funny, or not, funny enough, you should bring that. I believe uh, Clay is with us in the audience tonight, so hopefully he'll be able to come and join us because it's kind of an interesting story how this came to be. There's Clay. Hey, hey Clay. So, Clay, it's um, kind of a funny story, this whole chapbook, how it came to be. My understanding is this is kind of was your uh, creation or you were the one who came up with the idea of like, hey, I got to talk to you, Andrew. Like, where did this whole uh, incredible combination come up with? Uh, well, uh, Andrew put me up when I was doing a few poetry readings in Jersey and we just connected. And when I left, I thought it would be cool to just do a split with them and kind of like make a, make a book about that time together, you know? Actually, I don't know if this is funny up but because Andrew had brought that up to me that you had been going around saying hey can anybody put me up and I said you know somebody like me couldn't just do that hey can anybody let me on their couch for a week so I find that so incredible um, that you were able to do that so I mean, what do you think about that uh, I just normal life for me I guess <laughs> yeah. well we also we we talk about it too that there's a certain you know, gender disparity, a woman going around asking for, for places to crash. It's like that, uh, we, we talked about Karen Finley saying like, you know, on the road wouldn't happen for a woman. Be a completely different story, so. Well. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying, Clay, I, I'm saying fuck that, I'm doing that now. And that's why I'm in Austin, Texas. I'm <laughs> Ohio. So Clay, where were you originally when, when you were going out to Jersey for some open mics? Or where, where, where am I from? Is that what you're saying? Oh. Yeah. Okay. yeah, sorry, I, I didn't hear it. Um, I live in San Francisco right now, but I'm from Modesto, California. 
so total West Coaster. Yeah. And then you said, hey, let's do this chapbook. Can you guys talk yep. about how did that, like, did you guys send poems to each other? Like, how did that process, that whole combination? I'm really enthralled by the hey, Hey, what's up, guys? Sorry, I'm lamb. I'm having issues with so te I think what, technical what, difficulties what happened here. Was, what, one of the great things hanging out with Clay was that we had a lot of sort of these incidental hours. We were sitting around my, my table, listening to music, talking talking poetry. We were in the car driving a lot. And I, I think, you know, we were just throwing ideas out. And he, he, Tom Waits came on, and he was like, I fucking hate Tom Waits. And I was like, I love Tom Waits. And he said, like, we should do a chat book uh, based all on just Tom Waits. We're going to go back and forth about it. And that was one of the ideas. And um, and it was like one of those things we say, okay, let's do that. And then we checked in with each other. He's like, yeah, let's scrap that idea. I want to go in a different different direction. I want to do just like really surrealist poems. It's like, okay, cool, we'll do that. And uh, we did, you know, checked in again. It's like, I want we just do whatever we want. And uh, it sort of turned out that way. Yeah. Which I think it worked well. I think there's, there's a little remnants of... of each incarnation, or at least idea of the, of the, the chap in there, some of the surrealist stuff, some of the uh, uh, Tom Waits stuff, and then um, it, it's like I know for Clay, I'm not going to speak for you, but some of the poems in there are some of the things you were struggling with at the time as well. Yeah, and I, I like how you put it one to me once before. You know, it's like both of us are just shooting off a bunch of jazz solos, you know, and it's just kind of chaotic but fun and interesting. I I read it. A couple times all the way through and it's just a fun read to me i'm proud of it um this might be a great time if uh you guys wanted to um if you're not familiar um andrew hosted a little like salon on monday where these two kind of read each other's work i don't know i hate to throw you on the spot clay but i know andrew would this be something that you could do right now maybe sample one of the pieces from our uh collection here just to get the people a little sample of what, what we're talking about because it's an incredible collection. I've had the uh, privilege of being able to read oh, as well. Thank you. And, and, and you know, I see that, that Steve uh, just just joined the chat. And, you know, again, I think he, he was, was also just incredible putting it together. So I, I truly, you know, you know, very grateful and, and, and an honor to that he worked together with us to do this. Um, you want to play Zara if I read one of your pieces again, or do or you want to just read your own? Or whatever. If you want to okay. read one of mine, cool. Well, well, why don't we you know, start off with the, the, what was the impetus for this? It was the, the Tom Clay's uh, anti-weights poem, uh, which is uh, the title is, again, it's, it's short, you know, Flowers from a Garbage Can, like, like two key customs. Um, so the title of this is uh, more like weights for this ugly song to be over. D-Peace and I almost did this chap on Tom Waits. Why the fuck did I entertain that idea? It was my suggestion as well. Tom Waits, more like waiting for the song to be over. I knew a girl. She had Tom Waits' face tattooed on her arm. After we kissed, I read Poe's Poe's face and gave him a pat on the head. I tried not to feel Waits as staring at me. I wish Iggy would have popped him after the coffee, after that cigarette. (laughs) You like that one, (laughs) <laughs> so um actually i'm gonna have you clay why don't you go right into your choice and then we'll talk about both of those and why you chose those two i mean okay, we'll actually, cool. you know why andrew chose his this is andrew's poem uh flowers from a garbage can the title piece bars on window 
Age, birds nest being hosed away by sleepless brokers. Bolt cutters sing on. Dumpster chains as a hungry stray picks flowers from a garbage can. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, talk about that one. Obviously, that's the title. What, what about why you chose that one? Um, well, I honestly chose it because it's the title poem, and I thought it would just be the easiest one to read right now. <laughs> I love it. That's, hey, there are no wrong answers. Yeah. I love that. But, but it really also, it also sets a tone to like it. It just really, I don't know. The idea of flowers in a garbage can entertain is entertaining to me. So, yeah, it, it bolt, cutters. yeah, you, bolt cutters singing. Yeah, well, you, you're you're in San Francisco, and for me, walking that that poem popped in my head. I was walking around Philly one night, and there was like I noticed like all the garbage cans, all the dumpsters had like they were chained up. Like, like things have gotten to a point where they, they don't even want strangers to throw their garbage away in the, like their own own can. But it's like that, I'm sure in San Francisco, that sort of territorial pissing is uh, everywhere. Where it's like you know, it for for a city, it seems very very like closed. It's, even though it's supposed to be the home of flower children and such. Clay, are you like blown away by that? That little touch of San Francisco there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how to how to follow that. That's okay. Because I had this to ask you instead. How did you guys know that you had a hit? Like what a you, hit? No, yeah. How did you know that this was like a complete collaboration? It was totally ready to go. Uh, and balanced and well done. Like, when did you know it was ready? Well, between Andrew and Steve and I, I didn't have any doubts that it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> you know, I, I knew that it was going to turn out beautiful, like Steve always does, and and that Andrew was going to come exactly how Andrew does, and he did. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, working with with Steve and, and how, you know. His aesthetic is and, and his editorial input. I had no doubt of that. And Clay, so it's just like one of the things I just is I only knew Clay originally from his poetry, from being on Between Shadows. Um, you know that that uh was his first chapter that I read, and I thought that blew me away. And then following him on Instagram, it's like okay, and spending time and, and seeing him in readings and all that. It's like the second he offered the idea of doing it, it, it had to be done. So yeah, I didn't I didn't have any sort of doubts or, or qualms on with his quality of work for Steve's. Mine <laughs> I'm ready to burn it, but that's okay. And I knew there was a similar vision and like a similar connection. There was a connection between us and I and when that when that happens and it's rare for me these days with someone, you know, it cool art could come from it, you know. Yeah. And one of the great things like you know with with clay we were just said we just sat around and bullshitted for a while um and later on i'll read a, a poem that was uh, inspired by him um we would also talk about music and uh, there was a lot of times he would suggest a band and i would know it and he, he was sort of impressed by that so there's i think that was the, i mean his knowledge of music is much more in depth than, than mine but i think we it was algebra suicide we talked about algebra suicide for a while it's like and that's a and that's a band um uh, not that many people uh are or, or into or no and and 
I'm trying to think, Lydia Tompkin, uh, who was the, the singer and poet. No, she's not from Cleveland. I think she's from Chicago, or was from Chicago. Uh, I don't know if you, if you ever hear, you have to listen to Algebra Suicide, because uh, she does this spoken word thing, but she reads these sort of surrealist poems um, with this great nasally uh, Chicago type of accent, and it really adds to it. So It's really minimalist, and it's really good. We bonded on it. Yeah. Hey, Andy, um, when you hear a surrealist poem, because I'm kind of going to, I feel like I'm about to ask this question. Do you have a sense of like what that definition of a surrealist poetry would be like? You, you know what's interesting? Okay, no, no. So I was trying to just listen to everything you guys were saying. Uh, and I apologize for being late. Like, again, technical difficulty. So I'm just trying to embrace everything you guys are saying. So um, I got introduced to... Sur uh, uh, damn, I guess I missed it. <laughs> um, so, you know what's funny? I first got introduced to Surrealist Poetry back in 2020 during the COVID lockdown. And I met a few poets who they they said that they touch on, you know, like that's like the topic that they really touch on as far as when they write their pieces. Um, from my understanding, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe surrealist poetry, it's like, I don't know if I'm saying, maybe, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but it's like you're describing something but without actually describing it. Like, I'm not, like, there's like a, there's like a painting, um, like, they always refer to you to a painting of a guy, but then you see, like, a green apple in front of his face type of thing. They say that, that surrealist is inspired by something, like, that's an inspiration from that, but I'm not 100% sure if I'm correct with that, so I'm, I'm, like, but then I've had other poets that have told me, well, there's such thing as real surrealist, and then the so-called, that's not real surrealist thing, so I'll be honest with you, when it comes to that, like, I Andy, have, like, I a 50-50 understanding, but I don't know if what I understand is the it's really what it is, if that makes sense, I don't know if anything I just... Yeah. Surrealist poetry. You want to I think I think it's the the idea of uh, almost as surrealist paintings, the idea of tapping into the unconscious, uh, the idea of, of letting images sort of roll out. Uh, that there doesn't have to be some sort of strict narrative. There doesn't have to be uh, a sort of formality to it. Uh, the concept is really just letting um, the underpinnings of or in underpinnings of, of your your thought just come out. So it doesn't, you don't have to find it, see, feel, you don't have to read a cohesiveness, but it's supposed to invoke something that's a little bit deeper that gives you a little bit more to, to contemplate. Yeah, I agree. It comes from like a subconscious or unconscious part of the brain mm. and it kind of mm. just flows out. And also it like invokes this like ethereal kind of, it, it, it it can evoke this ethereal like tone to it also you know yeah. in one of my poems i talk about a shovel like growing ahead and digging its own or something like that you know and that's like a surrealist image you know like, right and so um but you i don't think feel it you can feel yeah that. but but i will say one thing i think surrealist poetry is a blanket term right i don't think it's like I don't think that there there could be two people who are considered surrealists or whatever, but are totally different, you know? Yeah. 
So it's not like it's gone. And there has been. I was gonna say there's there've been surrealist painters um, who've worked in poetry. Yeah. I think Dorothea Tanning is one of them who who she uh, did poetry. So did uh, Lenore Carrington, uh, even yeah. Romeo Varro. So they're, they're, so it's it's interesting how if you look at their poems and you look at their paintings, you can see how again it's very ethereal is a good good word for it. Dreamlike uh, is sort of the, the cliched concept of it. But yeah, just imagine taking some sort of uh, you know, apple core and, and sticking it in your forehead and letting everything out just project. And like, what you know, there's there's, there's sort of no cohesiveness there. there. It's just like the, the, the just the random ideas of uh, everything. You're just coming from all the different hemispheres and, and areas of your brain. And it, there's something there. You feel it. You know, it's it's almost the idea of decoding it. You have to decode it. So it's not something you can read quickly. It's not something. It's not confessional. It's something. It, you know, you read it and you kind of you, you sit with it for a while. And sometimes it might not, you know, it, like, it's up for many interpretations, you know, like you could sit with it and two people might be sitting with it, but then, you know, you come to completely different conclusions. And that's another right. thing that's a, a part of surrealism is like the ambiguity of, yeah, of how it can yeah. be. Yeah, exactly. And there's that great uh, surrealist game you can play with poetry called Exquisite Corpse where you would write, so Angela, you would write two or three lines, and all I would see is like the last three words of your, your the last line, and then I would mm. play off of that. And then you would only see the last three words of that, my last line, and then you would play off of that. And then we put it all together. It's like in this poem was just sort of flowing off of just small little snippets of each other's poems without knowing the larger uh, context of it. So we got, that game got to say exquisite corpse, which is my favorite term. All right, I, that's a really, I, I, we're learning so much. Like everybody's like, Andy, don't you I'm wearing leather packs on my, my jacket, that's why. Well, we have the intellectual people coming to town. We have to just go the upper bra because we have people talking about Dadaism in our chat here. You know what I mean? Uh, Dadaism, y'all, or poetically silent uh, situationism, new descending, and Babbitt's beating, Duchamp, check and mate, Rook, two queens of Fia's Zeno consciousness. I mean, come on, Andy, aren't you loving this crowd tonight? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like I said, like when I come here, I always love to listen. I love to, like, just, again, I'm learning right now as we speak. So, um, like I said, because I know there are poets on here that do, Again, they write surrealist, but I've heard so many different ways when it comes to surrealist. I feel like the way you guys just described it makes absolute sense. But um, because I've had people tell me, oh, there's real surrealist and then there's the fake surrealist. Like, do you know anything about that? If there is, what, what, how do you guys feel about that well, statement? Like Let's say, for example, well, I'm curious to know. Well, I think I've fake surrealism as well. is the idea where it feels forced. Like you're trying, you know, it's one of the things that people always would uh, criticize the filmmaker David Lynch with is that he's being purposely obtuse. He's just throwing things out there as opposed to these things, you know, being organic or, or something that he's actually just manifested in his mind. Uh, and if somebody who's a fan of his work, he'll be like, no, you can see that there's sort of this, again, unconscious that's going through it. So fake surrealism would be people purposely trying. It's almost like, you know, like like in the 90s when there was like fake gangster rap 
where you know the people who were singing it, like their parents were dentists, you know, and they're really trying, and they're, and they're throwing all these, throwing all these, like the, the lingo out there and trying to prove how hard they are. And you're like, it just doesn't feel right. right. It, it, this is somebody who, who got it secondhand as opposed to somebody who lived it and just putting it out there. So I think fake surrealism, it's not so much gatekeeping, but it's one of those idea of somebody who's trying too hard to, to mm. be weird for weird sake. Absolutely. Right, right. I, I can that too, like shock. Ah, so it's like, like it feels forced pretty much, like, is what you're saying. Things that are like maybe taboo to shock somebody because you're trying to actually make a commentary. That's that's intelligent, but when you just shock for shock's sake, it's it's just ugh, I don't I hate that so much. So I I, I tend to agree with what you're saying. It's so just, therefore, I will not read my fisting Peppa Pig poem, but thank you. Oh, no, 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 I want to hear a Peppa Pig poem. No, I've got to hear that Peppa Pig poem. <laughs> does he speak with the English accent now? Oh, my God. My son loves Peppa Pig. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, he's still speech-delayed, but, like, it's it's something about the English accent that, that draws his attention. I don't know what it is, but, like, my son has this thing, like... It's something about the, the English so accent. So, do you make a team like, scones? Oh, okay, and he'll kind of like it. Try, try to imitate it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, but no, no. You know, it's funny. He doesn't even like sweets. To be honest with you, he really. He, again, he's only four, but he had like I'll try to give him a sweet. And he'll actually push it away. He's a. I don't want to say he's a weird baby, but he's kind of a weird child. He doesn't like <laughs> the typical stuff. Where did you get that like. from, Andy? So Iwatan super bok choy. I'm like, okay, <laughs> whose child is this? I don't know. I think my wife, because my wife eats weird stuff. But it's like, what's going on here? But yeah, um, but yeah, that, that's how I knew about. You know, it's funny because I'm a pig. I didn't even know who it was until like my son found it by accident, kind of thing on YouTube, Very and sweet. then it's just like it just became now, a thing. He has a, a Peppa Pig doll and everything. This really cool claymation cartoony thing from Iceland called Pingu, which is really gr oh, you know Pingu. Okay, so I don't have to talk anymore. That's like akin to the Peppa Pig. Like, oh my gosh, my children love Peppa Pig and we love Pingu. Oh my god, it's crazy. Um, and then, too, you said there was a poem that you had, uh, a piece of uh, writing that you had that was inspired by your collaborators. Uh, why don't we have you go ahead and share that piece that's inspired sure. by Clay? Because if you're just joining us, we are um, interviewing Andrew, but we have invited Clay Hunt as well, because they just recently put this incredible uh, collaborative chapbook out by our friends at 2Q Customs. And uh, they shared a couple pieces, but we're also going to be really getting more into Andrew, who he is, and all that background, even though I'm sure he doesn't want to divulge any information to us, but that's we're investigating Andrew tonight. So what's this piece you have inspired by Clay? Well, this, this is uh, from Controlled Burn. Uh, which is on uh, Between Shadows, which is put out by Tom Bachlis. Uh I hope I'm saying that right. He will kill me if I don't. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I do. I, it's sold out on his site, but I do have copies. If anybody wants to DM me and you share a, an embarrassing family story, I'll send you one for free. Uh, but hey, so this is this is something from uh, inspired by a conversation I was having with Clay. It's called Deep Space Nine uh, for nice. Clay Hunt. Clay tells me. You're like a Vulcan, calm, collected, and rational. I tell him, 
Hummingbird's wings move so fast, it looks like they are standing still. Just like Vulcan's, their emotions are so strong they can't risk letting them out. The woman that wanted me to beat her almost ended up in the hospital covered in a galaxy of bruises. She, kept, she keeps calling, trying to get back together. I sit in my artificial satellite, resisting her gravity, boldly going nowhere near where I've gone before. Afraid if I get pulled in again, I will end up in a different type of brick moon, watching syndicated sci-fi shows in general population. You know, it's funny, that was actually, um, uh, okay, see, because Deep Space Nine, the, the, okay, this is over, Star Trek, um, it was an okay show for me, I mean, I think, um, oh, Next Generation was my favorite, not but... <laughs> so Next Generation was your, was your, your, your show? I like Next Generation better, but, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, Next Next generation. next generation, yeah. These space nights, it was, it was it okay, too, but I was a next generation space guy. Number one, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was... Oh man, man, you can go off yeah, for days. Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> no, but I really like that piece of work. Oh my hey, god, I got so much work for Voyager. I only watched <laughs> Generation to Next Generation. Picard all the way. We never watched the original, but my dad and I we watched Next Generation, all of them, and then Voyager, and then that was it. Yeah, those are great. I but no, I mean, too. nothing beats. But nothing beats the William Shatner one, though. I actually enjoyed that shit too, though. But that's just, again, that's just me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I know there was this one episode they did a thing where um, I think it was I, I think it was Next Generation, I believe, where they did like one of those like, uh, oh my god, I'm trying to remember what episode it was where I don't want to say they went back in time, but rather they went to some I don't know if it was an alternate universe. Like I don't remember exactly the episode, that's, and they did like you, a clip where they showed William Shatner in the episode. I don't know if you know what episode I'm talking about, and then I, I don't know. Never right? remember. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, they recreated the original series, yeah. uh, and put the Deep Space Nine actors in an episode. It was pretty cool. Yeah, Andy, you're proving Clay right. It's one of the best ones. It's really cool. Now, yeah, I remember that very, very, yeah. I know, Clay. Clay, maybe you and Angela need to do a split uh, chat on Deep yeah. Space I mean, yeah. or, or Star Trek. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I don't know, really remember or know any of that, but I will say that if you're just joining us, we're talking about Star Trek and all of their variations. Um, from no, just kidding, everybody. We are talking to Andrew and Clay. They just had this amazing split chat, but Clay. What was your uh, reaction when you first saw or this uh, this poem inspired by you? What were your thoughts having uh, somebody like, let's, Andrew, I don't want to put you on the spot or make you feel uncomfortable, but we all respect the fuck out of you. Like, we think you're pretty up here as far as level, you're, as far as all that stuff. So when Andrew writes a poem inspired by you and how it comes out, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Oh, I was honored. I, I got the chat book and I like, 
he didn't, you know, he didn't tell me or anything, obviously. And I just was looking through and I saw it and I was like, wow. And it's called Deep Space Nine. And I was just blown away. I feel like it's one of the most powerful poems in that book too. But um, yeah, I, I was honored. And um, it's it was funny to see the Vulcan thing stick with them, you know. <laughs> and we had a conversation of, of knowing people in our lives like that. Uh, not just the Deep Space Nine part, but the, the, the other part of uh, somebody that, that yeah, took a little bit too much pleasure in pain. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was honored. And now his... I think, I think that, I mean, that was great. It was great when he reached out to us. Excuse me? Oh, I was like, now... That's what I... Oh. Oh, oh no, sorry. We all, we all were doing that. I don't... It doesn't matter. No, it's okay, because I just wanted to connect the fact that this is what I really, really respect about our communities, that not only are we inspiring our own work, but each other's inspiring creations that connect us to even... Because that's pretty fucking cool to have a piece of you that's going to live on in this chapbook from, you know, somebody that you respect and respect in return. Like, that's kind of what Andy and I have been kind of on a mission for this entire year is we are on the search of these incredible artists, writers, creators, just like the two of you. And we're trying to steal as much knowledge from the two of you as we can so we can continue our work in this. So why did, okay. where did you guys like decide to do this? Like, when did you, Andrew, we're going to start with you because you're the best of honor. Like, when did you start writing? Oh, I, I think it's, it's one of those things from, for me for even before high school, I was always writing stories. It, it, and coincidentally enough, uh, or if you enter uh, Alanis Morissette, ironically enough, uh, it was uh, I was it was it was um, sci-fi when I was really really young. I, I loved uh, and I still love the Planet of the Apes, so I was obsessed with it. And I would just started writing at an early age, um, and then going through high school, hitting that that uh, teen angst phase, and, and digging into the whole gothic thing, and, and getting into like it, it, even though it's a band I don't listen to anymore. Um, I have to thank them because of The Cure, uh, the song uh, Mad, uh, Mad Bird Girl, uh, referenced the Dylan Thomas uh, poem, I Love It in the Asylum. And, and because of that, I, I wanted to find out what that was. And so, yeah, 15, Reading Love in the Asylum by, by Dylan Thomas, it's completely opened my, my world to, to what poetry is and what it could be. Uh, and, yeah, so, so, so that, that was probably really that's when I started to get into it and um, taking it seriously. Because when you're younger, you, you write. Everybody has a journal. Everybody starts getting into it. But, but when you start seeing artists that you, you enjoy, and I, I don't know, maybe nowadays a lot of people do get into poetry and writing through music. Um, so that's when you see artists you like reference writers, and it's like, wow, this is something that I, it seems mysterious. It seems cult-like. <laughs> it, it seems it almost seems like its own special religion that you can be part of. And once you start learning the vernacular and learning whatever sacraments and prayers that that poems could be, it's like it really just allows you to just completely change your perspective on on you know who you could be and who you are.
And um, I was going to ask, like, can you describe the moment to me where, like, when you first decided, okay, I'm going to take this poetry thing a lot more serious. Like, can you describe that exact day and August what was 14th, going through your mind? Uh, and when did you decide, okay, you know what, let's do this. Like, can you describe that? No. <laughs> um, no, it, it, it was like, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I wrote before. Actually, before I did poetry, I was doing mostly short fiction. Oh, my God. And I have Thank a you. short story. <laughs> and and I, I have to actually thank him, Thomas Pluck, who is a New Jersey um, crime wow. writer. He writes really, really great uh, stories. He has Boys from, Boys from County Hell and uh, Bad Boy Boogie. He has a, his Jade uh, Devereaux, I believe is the uh, uh, character, like, series. I met him on Twitter. I would just like write this ridiculous stuff on Twitter. And he was like, okay, you write me a short story. I'll, I'll have this anthology and I'll put you, if it's good, I'll put you in it. Uh, so that was it. And I was like, okay, that's, it's kind of interesting that all the stuff I would write down myself and never thought I could publish. I did zines. I think uh, Clay, you're from the punk rock scene. You did zines. You're just like, you, you, you write stuff, you put it out. You didn't even sell it. You just like mm. shoved it underneath the, you know, record stores, doors and hang it, hand it out at shows and shit like that. Um, but yeah, uh, for, for me, I, I think a lot of it, wow. uh, I suppressed it for a long time. And then when I was going through my divorce, um, I was like, you know what, this is something that I, I should, should really investigate a little bit more, take seriously, uh, allow myself to explore, you know, it's, it's you know, unfortunately you, you, you sometimes what you are passionate about gets seen as just your little hobby and it's just like uh okay you know so it's like you know what this is a chance for me to 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 actually let that out and, and go after it and and for me it, it, i started putting it out there um i have to thank uh damian rucci who, who who is a poet in new jersey who does the whole new jersey renaissance seeing that he was doing open mics it's like you know what here's an open mic i've never read in front of a crowd before um, but fuck oh. it, <laughs> you know, I'm already, I, you know, I'm, I'm already an ass. Like I can't fall any further. So I'll just go in front and read some of this stuff. And because of that, it's like, yeah, you know, that I found a community, I found, uh, an outlet. And so it would have to be about five, six years ago that I really like decided that this is kind of how I would like to see myself and who I would like to be. I can't say it's who I am, but I know it's, it's who I would like to be. Wow. So um, I was trying to listen to everything. So I'm listening to everything you said. And that is all profound. Um, how an event like helped you. I don't. I don't know if I'm saying this right. Like during your divorce, you were doing this poetry thing, and it just really um, intertwined with each other. I wanted to ask you about because you have mentioned Twitter. Um, so I'm trying to understand. I mean, there was a you were part of a no, community, uh, um, it was more like on back, Twitter. Back in, like, is that what you know, the whole thing make is? Feel really old. Back in the golden days of Twitter, it really was. You just followed people and you put nonsense on there, and there was this great back and forth with a lot of people. Uh, I mean, had to pre-Trump Twitter was the great place to be, uh, and it really, mm. and you would be able to put things out there, and a lot of times it, it was. Sometimes riff. You, you had a you had 140 characters. So before they expanded a lot of it, so it was like okay, it was perfect poetry. You had to like say something concise, say something intriguing, say something that that was a little provocative, uh, in 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 such a way where you would get sort of interaction. 
And I just, for me, it was, I just followed writers because I've always been enamored with them, writers and filmmakers, you know, the, the, the core, core of my uh, sort of, uh, um, you know, I, I would say that my, my personal state, you know, uh, you know, saints would, would be those. And so I was following them. I placed some stuff on Twitter and a couple of writers uh, liked what I you know, tweeted. And this one writer, I said, Thomas Pluck, thought I was clever enough and, and you know, wanted to see more. Wow. Wow. No, that's awesome. And it's interesting because somebody said in the comments, Twitter, your Twitter was amazing. This is Born Thank you, Jen. <laughs> 73 said that. Yeah, I mean, I never really had Twitter like that, but like I've heard different, like I've heard different stories about Twitter. Like at one point it was interactive. Now it's just like a hit and miss. Um, it's interesting. I don't know if we know recently, but recently Instagram added a feature called Threads, apparently. And now it, when I looked at it, it's like their version of Twitter. Um, I don't know if you guys checked it out, but Play. what are you guys' I opinion on it? I think the algorithm still sucks, <laughs> but I never used well, I don't Twitter know. ever. Yeah. Me neither. Well, I had to for work. Yeah, me neither. Like, I know Twitter's now is pop like. I know Twitter today, it seems like it's more popular like in the wrestling community than it is anything else. Because that, that's the way it seems like it's most comments now on it. And I'm just like, I mean, I, I don't have Twitter, but I've had friends that have Twitter. And it seems like it's more wrestling communities than it is like anything else these days. And I don't know who's to blame for that. For the, like, I don't want to say that Twitter is a... Did you say the golden years of um, Twitter? But I'm just thinking it's Twitter yeah. sucks now because of Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, do, yeah, yeah. do we blame Elon Musk for that? Oh, like, I don't know. But I, I think, I mean, one, we have to get to, right. to wrestling Twitter. Are, are, are you a wrestling fan, Andy? Okay. Who's your guy? Who's your guy? Yeah, no, yeah, that's the reason why I know about it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's interesting because wrestling's changed a lot. If I could go back in the day, I could go from Macho Man Randy Savage to Ric Flair, and then I could go to, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, but now I can go to, like, I don't know. See, because wrestling today now, there's, like, this other company called AEW, and um, my my favorite wrestler was um, Kenny Omega, but then my favorite wrestler is also CM Punk. And, and so, I mean, it's, you, it's interesting how the dynamic of wrestling's changed a lot. And so Ooh, yeah, yeah, those are my guys. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, oh hi! I was a big UFC MMA fan. Like I was okay. Like, oh, you want you want real violence? You don't know. You I want real violence? Organized, yeah. GSP, the welterweight champion. Oh come on! Yeah, no. Saint Pierre was, 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 was my guy back in so. the day, man. Saint so, Pierre. Yes. Saint. Yeah, you know what's crazy? When I first saw UFC, I remember when it was Dan Severin, Tank Abby, like those guys. I'm like, UFC back then was so different. It wasn't as it wasn't as controlled yeah. as it is now because they were pretty much fighting with their freaking fists. Like, they yeah. were, and it was a lot of blood, violence. I know it's all over time. Dana White took over. I know it it changed dramatically. It, 
after a while. Okay, but okay. I remember real USC uh, from back in like the nineties. It was crazy back then. Like a lot of things changed a lot. Uh, Charles Conwell. He actually killed somebody. Okay, so so Olympic boxer wrestling UFC. Um, I can never. I cannot remember his name. I'm just. I'm reading a, a book of, of incredible poems called uh, "Dead Wrestlers Elegies," and I and, and the name escapes me right now. Um, but it also makes me think of of how um, Joyce Carol Oates wrote all these poems about boxing. So it's like, like this idea that this poetry captures sort of that that again that, that innate violence. Of, of that interaction, and, and sometimes it is, it you know, that that's out there. You wouldn't think somebody like Joyce Carol Oates is this, this spindly little ectomorph, you know, but she had this, this uh, you know, just this love for boxing. And it's like in, in UFC and wrestling, I, 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 you know, you have to, what is it about those, those you know, matches? What is it about the whole format? Uh, there's a great book by Carrie Holloway, I think her name is, it's called Throne, and it's all about UFC, and it's all about that idea of like violence. It's like you know, like this this world we live in. As much as we say, oh, it's, it's like you know nasty, brutish, and short. We really live in a sanitized, you know, very clean world. So like we 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 yeah. So we're searching for for weird acts of violence. To me, though, there is yeah. so much that this person is putting on the line to train the way they do. It is such a scientific situation that they have to do and then also to be almost a chess player yeah to anticipate where your opponent is going to it to me it's almost like an artistic dance but again there is that aggressive you know killer be killed is you know are we back to roman times where we're watching the lions and you know the gladiators and shit like that i don't know maybe i've love lost i don't know Yeah, but it's but it's interesting um, what what Andrew was saying because I was thinking about you know how even wrestling like, like just like I was saying UFC changed so has wrestling but you know what's interesting depending on who you talk to um, let's say for example WWE they, even though in their logo World Wrestling Entertainment they don't consider themselves pro wrestling they consider themselves sports entertainment anything outside of that is considered pro wrestling but it's interesting because when it comes to vince mcmahon person like example he just hates the word wrestling he hates his history so if you see like i just feel like after a certain time i feel like the 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 awesome i guess i don't want to say the awesomeness but the the thing that i used to enjoy a lot about wrestling i feel like it's been tarnished because there's sports entertainment if that makes sense um where there's like the storylines and um and then like for example but like a lot of things have been right. stupid for example oh we be we have a few now because you spilled hot coffee on my chest like stupid shit like that that's how redundant it's become rather than um like when it was like <laughs> hogan days their storyline was more like Oh, you 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 trying to sleep with my girlfriend type shit? <laughs> and it's like, okay, but at least in the ring they told stories while they're in the ring. Now they're just having a match just to have a match, but there's no storytelling in the ring. Rather than like pro wrestling thing outside of WWE, it's more like okay, Absolutely. wrestling, wrestling. Like we'll have a little interview segment here, but it's more wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. So like, especially if you go to like the independent wrestling where. 
everything's like in a bingo hall right. in the gym, but the Speaking fans are more interactive with it. Uh -huh. So it's pretty interesting how, like, depends on what type of wrestling you watch, where you watch it. Um, New York, yeah, my bad. Uh, hold on, New Game York, Philadelphia, and Jersey is very well known for that independent wrestling, so, and um, California too. So let's talk about yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh my god, bro. Speaking of storytelling, that's well, when I first heard of uh, John Moxley. Nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, I'll, I'll, I'll read this. This is more of a prose poem. Um, this is from uh, the, the publication, and, and no offense to Steve or, or Tom, um, that I'm most proud of. It's, it's called uh, Body Horror Vacui. Uh, actually, I believe you read some of, of Claire Richardson's poems at one point. So Claire Richardson, uh, this is on her press, uh, just one of my favorite poets out there now, uh, and, and in general, I just love her work, and I was I was so honored when she wanted to, to work together. So this is this is something that uh, um, we did together, and she just, yeah, she just does an incredible incredible job. I'm showing the, the interior, so it's like um, she took pictures of that. Made this incredible transparency, yeah, and then then then, then finish the poem. Incredible. Yeah, it's oh, like wow. it's, it's, again, um, her 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 eye, her vision is just it blows me away. Um, again, so this is a this is a storytelling prose poem. Uh, it's called uh, "Like the Shoreline in the Sea." You didn't even wait for me to say hello before you started screaming, "Take me away from here." I hate the city. I hate the way it eats stars. I need to see the stars. For the first part of the trip, you were a cat in a carrier, coiled into yourself, only lifting your head long enough to take long draws of $100 whiskey out of a child's sippy cup, the only thing of his he kept. The one that was so gnawed and faded that the characters on the side were nothing more than a blurred sunspot and pink wound. As your, young, as your lungs start to fill with the salt air, you opened up and, and something that might be confused for a smile crashed across your face. As I pulled up to the sand, you bolted from the car. You couldn't get to the surf quick enough. Like it was the last boat home. By the time I caught up with you, you were already half naked, knees apart, welcoming in the tide. You grabbed my hand and pulled me down, pushed, pushed it down to your belly and told me, don't stop until I create galaxies of shooting stars. And then you turned your eyes to the prisoner's cinema sky. I knew there was another, another space in your mind, another's name on your lips, and I felt so cheap and petty when I wanted to tell you shooting stars were just burning rocks falling to the dirt. But as you dug your nails and made half moons into me, I realized it was my hand you were crushing, my fingers you were coating in brine, and I would have to let you keep your little myths and misnomers if I was to keep mine. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm gonna let you go ahead. Yeah, even the camera, it was so impressive that it threw itself on the floor. <laughs> I'm gonna let you go ahead and go first if you had a comment or a reaction to what we just heard there. Um. Okay, I, uh, well, Andrew's work is one of those things where, like the Surrealist, sometimes you can't just, like, hear it and make a formulated opinion. Andrew's work, for me, I have to sit down and, like, think about Andrew 
and think about why he would say so it's different so that's fair. He, but that's i will fair. say this absolutely hearing it is fun reading it is even funner i'll Can say I, that i say that too because i'm you. not auto i'm not an auditory learner i'm somebody that needs to like when you guys were doing the thing on monday i was so happy i had the visual in front of me it's very much as an intervention specialist you gotta see it and hear it and then i gotta so i understand that completely but I will say this, as far as the pieces that we've heard so far from you tonight, Andrew, that one was pretty like, bam, like it's really, I like that aggressiveness that was kind of there towards the middle, uh, seeping through towards the end. And that's, I think, something that you highlight, but I want to I want to hear more of that aggressive side of Andrew. I think that that's there. Andrew, would you, Andrew. I mean, Andy, would you agree? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, I did want to ask, but I don't know if you already talked about it or not, because I came in a little bit later. Um, I wanted to ask you about the book, the title of the book. And I want to talk to you about, like, the design of the book, like, as far as the title, like, like the front cover, like, who, like, whose idea was it? But I don't know if you guys talked about it or not, because, again, I came in a little bit towards the middle. Um, yeah, like, like that whole, like, who came up with the concept well, with the, it, the, the and then whose idea was Steve, it, Steve, how did it all come about, Steve, I think that's what I wanted to uh, ask runs uh, Customs. Yeah, he was the one who came up there, and I, 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 I think we talked about this when he showed us the cover, it's like, they ha it has a, yeah. a, a sort of this, this sort of, you know, quasi-Japanese feeling to it, the, the, the way, the way the, 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 the characters look on the cover. Um, And to, uh, play, play, uh, suggest to the inside picture, uh, which is great. So yeah, he was the one who, who constructed uh, the cover and, and the, the lettering and, and putting it all together the way he did. This actually brings me back to a point that I wanted to ask earlier, which I don't know, I think this might actually apply to you too, Clay. Um, you talked about okay. the New Jersey scene as far as the open mic and starting off, I'm not gonna say, starting off that, I'm going to actually jump into this by putting myself out there on the open mic. Talk about that scene, you know, when you said that you first started doing that. What about that scene made it so great? And you cut out a little bit. Was that question uh, for me? Well, uh, Andrew can start about that and play because you came out there because you were trying to do open mics as well. No, I have shows booked, oh, but know. I want to hear what Andrew said. Or is gonna say, yeah. Oh, uh, what made it so great? It's it, it, as usual. It, it's the, the, the being able to experience other poets, uh, seeing people out there, and and it was just to see the diversity of of not just you know the different individuals, but also the individual talent. You know, there's you know as 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 we know, you read a lot of poetry, and there's this sort of the spectrum of how people write. You know, we talk about surrealist poems, and there's very straightforward confessional poems, um, and then there's poems that that, and this is the, the the ongoing debate about what is poetry. But then there's a lot of poetry that that is constructed in a way, um, and people use the word in, in, as a pejorative, but it's artifice. It's supposed to be art. It has to be some level of construction and intent behind it, and it's no. It's great going to to open mics, and you see all of that at once and you can see an array of, of people read and you can say okay this person is that type of, of writer this person is that type of writer but but to see that that 
it's all vibrant and it's all going on at the same time and it's all accepted in the same place. Um, and again, there's all these memes and people running stuff about like mocking, you know, people tell poems about the moon or people who are slam poets or people who are word poets, but it, but it's, it's, it's all there. And, it, and, and again, it, it's something where it's such a, a weird and, and I don't know if the, if the word will get me in trouble. It's, it, it's a weird literary ghetto, you know, and, and to, to have any infighting doesn't make sense. So to, 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 to see everybody there and, be, and it's like, okay, there's room and space for everybody. And it's also accepting that was incredible to be part of. Because Clay, I know that you just said that you had shows already out there. I, I'm currently on the mission to figure out why there aren't as many traveling poets as there are comedians and, and musicians. Why, why is that not happening? And that's, I don't perform in my hometown. I'll perform out of town. I've been in Nashville a few times, but open mics, nothing. I'm just starting out. I'm horrible. But Clay, how did you, you said that you had shows out there. How did you develop that whole uh, traveling poetic literary style? Oh, well, it wasn't, it wasn't, well, it was more of me wanting to connect to the people that have been publishing me and reading me and stuff in New Jersey. You know, I developed a relationship through Instagram with like, you know, Steve and Andrew and Tom and a bunch of, you know, Cord and Moreski and Scott Ladati and, you know, and these people, I just wanted to meet a lot of them and I got to and I, and so they put me up and I wanted to be a part of that scene for for a sec you know I wanted to see what it was all about with my own eyes you know and how did it turn it out great I had was a great better experience. than expected or as expected uh, as expected I was expecting for it to come hard and people to be nice and everybody every it was great loved it you think that Jersey friends can now bridge the gap and come visit you in San Francisco. One of them already has. Scott Ladowdy was here the other day, or the, right. uh, weeks ago, or a month ago, or however long ago it was, and he we got to connect and say what's up. I think, yeah, anyway. yeah. All right, that's that's what Andy and I, uh, my co-host down there in the corner. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build the bridge and. Uh, if you're just joining us or if you've been with us the entire time, we've been interviewing Andrew here. He has been our uh, man of the hour, but Clay has been so kind as to join us because they had just blasted out this incredible chat book that is available at Two Keys Customs from another one of our friends here. Um, and we are actually talking about building the bridge. We are actually going to be having our open mic portion. We host that now with Origin of Thought, and Andy's going to be joining as the co-host on that starting in about five minutes, but we don't want to end just yet because, Andrew, this has been an incredible hour. I mean, it just, we talked about so many things. We defined what surrealistic poetry is, which also includes it's undefinable, which means anything that is surrealist. It, one surrealist is not the same and it's still surreal. We talked about Deep Space Nine versus Next Generation versus Voyager versus all the incredible Star Trek franchises. And we talked about wrestling and UFC and all that, but we really are here highlighting what a creative mind talked about wrestling, UFC, build those bridges and develop those relationships, which is Clay, you've been doing that your entire time. So thank you for uh, not just doing the thing while we're just trying to figure it all out. But um, Andrew, I know you got another incredible piece for us for us before we end our part one with you tonight. Okay, um, this this one, I. Again, it goes back to, to Claire Richardson. 
and I, I would like to, to read it because it, it, it's about my sister, and her birthday is actually this, this uh, Sunday. Um, so yeah, it, was a, it was a broadside that, that Claire Richardson put out. Um, again, it, it's one of, one of the first things I, I wrote. Uh, it, what, no, when, what, yeah, one of the first things I wrote while I was getting back into poetry. Um, and it came about, I, was, uh, I, I went to a uh, friend's meeting, you know, the, the, the Quakers. Uh, and I don't know if they've ever been around around Quakers. They 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 have this thing where they want you to to ruminate about something. So they ask you everybody to sit quietly and think of something about you love or loved. And uh, so this is this is what came up. Um, again, it's like just put it on for a broadside. Uh, it's called Running with the Devil. I loved my sister. She's not dead, just gone. The woman I once loved has been replaced by someone whose life has forced to be pinched and closed. But I remember when she was wide open like the night highway. I loved the way she would get ready to go out for the evening. Always had to put on Van Halen's Running with the Devil when she prepped. With one match, she would ignite some incense, light her parliament, and then melt the tip of her eyeliner pencil. She taught me all good rituals involved fire and music and probably the devil. That woman is gone. Now the only witchcraft she employs is making coffee as bitter as her politics. But I remember the person I once loved every time she laughs. Her current incarnation has the old cackle. What I love is the idea that people change. Even if they morph into something we no longer recognize, we see they changed once so they can change again. I love that there isn't an imago, just complete transformation. And at any moment, people can change again and again. Can again begin again. So. Wow. Wow. Uh, um, I was in. No, I, no, 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 just keep, keep talking. I, that's the. Um, oh, okay. And, and I guess. Um, no. Okay. No. So. Um, is the whole change thing? I think is what really got me because I feel like once my father passed away, my mom changed. Uh, not just her appearance, but her personality changed. And it's like you see another side, sort of the side of her that I didn't think existed. And it's not that it's bad. It's just like I'm surprised to have known this other side of my mom because. She was always submissive to my father. She was always the loyalty to my father. She was always the type that even when he was, you know, the 1950s, you know, um, my mom, my father's the man, my mom's the housewife, and, you know, guy's the king of the castle bullshit. And then it's like she had to wear skirts all the time, long skirts and all this other stuff. And it just seemed like once my dad passed away and now a lot of those things changed, personalities changed with it and then also it's like i'm like you know like she started wearing pants now and then like ma i never seen you in pants and she would say oh yeah your dad never let me wear pants and it's like before she used to get mad if i said oh you you just wear that because dad doesn't let you like i used to say stuff like that but to, for her to openly admit that now i'm just like do i say ah see i was right or do i just shut up and be like oh yeah that's mom. interesting so i don't know that's what it took me to when uh, so what do you think of your piece. mom Change is a very interesting. Wait, what happened? 
I'll be honest with you. Like, I feel like the essence of what made her my mom is not there anymore, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the person I see, I don't know who this person is. That's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, I still love my mom no matter what, but it's like, this is not the mom I remember. And I have to accept the fact that, you know, she's probably never going to come back. And like, it is what it is now. So I help her the best that I can, even though I have my own life over here in Jersey but um yeah it, it's interesting it's interesting how a situation or an event could change a person um I was also thinking about like a conversation we had when we were going live about the whole rape thing and it's interesting one thing that I always thought about was change a situation would change a perception yeah. of a man or a woman or whatever the case is like the perception changes based on the events and then there's the trust issue that develops there's the whole like my wife for example like she was used to men being cheaters so she thought all men were the same and it took me a year and a half for me to earn my wife's trust during the time that we were dating i'm like yeah but i've known you for 10 years like it's me i'm andy she's like and i had to come to a realization this is where i change right. came to my right. life where i had to accept the right. fact that okay she knows the friendship me not the boyfriend me there's difference there's a trust there's a there's a balance there's a boundary now it's different because this is a whole nother level of friendship that you know, that I never dealt with before. And she's a little, right. and she's five years older than I am. So that's another thing I had to understand. Okay, but her mentality is different. I'm 38, she's she's 40. I'm gonna be 38, she's 45. It's like, actually, I think she's seven years, I'm sorry. But like the, 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 the gap of the age is so different. The mentalities are different. And I had to accept the fact that I have to change my perception of people when it comes to that. Because because just because I think she understands doesn't mean she's going to understand it the way I understand it and vice versa. So I had to adjust and realign myself where it makes sense between me and her. But yeah, it took me a year and a half for me to really earn her trust. So it's like the change and uh, acceptance, because that's something I struggle with is acceptance. And it's like, you know what, like, all right. Yeah. Did, what's the change in the acceptance? Well, it's it's right. humbling myself that you know I I'm not gonna I, have it my I know, way. I know it's Angela's going through a lot of changes now as well. Work. So how so change that's the transformation for you? But it's interesting how did, though. How, how... I live in denial, so I'm just trying to get through it. But um, I'm working on it. That's my favorite town in Egypt. <laughs> huh? I'm sorry. My mom's my mom was a, my mom was yeah. Yeah, my mom was the same way. The first couple of um, months, my dad passed away. She was in denial. Like, she was like, oh, no, your father went somewhere right. or whatever the case was. Because even though he's been gone for five years, it doesn't feel like he passed right. away because every time we did used to be around him, he was always isolated in his own bedroom because that's just how he was. So it's it's weird how that, that the difference is, there. is he's not around physically anymore, so, but it, it feels may, like he's still around. Please? So it's, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. It can, move over, okay, so, so this, um, I this is actually... Uh, a, a, I, I did a song with, with uh, the performers Kid Saw Cat. If you ever check on uh, Instagram, that that's their handle. And we're, we're on... Uh, 
Bandcamp, and this is a, a song called Kiss of Theseus, which is a playoff of, uh, I don't know if everybody knows, the, the paradox of Ship of Theseus, which is the idea that there's Theseus's ship, and every year he has to replace uh, a plank and a board and an oar and a fitting. And at one point, when does it stop being the original ship? Uh, or is it always or is it always the same ship because it's still Theseus' ship? So this one is called Kiss of Theseus. Mm. Um, and and it, Dirk, whose kid saw Cat, uh, his editing of this is much better than my poem. So <laughs> look that up on, on Bandcamp. But it uh, starts off, what is shed, what remains, what is shed, what remains. There was always something missing, something you would never let, something that would never let you feel right. Even with that chasm, you claim that our connection, our essence, felt like we fit. It was never, I was never one for the metaphysics and would talk of the materialism, the corporal. You hated the idea of being the sum of your parts, reduced to mere meat. What is ruin? What is wreckage? What is, what is ruin? What is wreckage? Our flesh made it easy to ignore the spirit, believing our bodies kept us bound. Conjoined twins sharing a terra incognita of skin that we can never breach. But I was replacing your emptiness with mine, mistaking signless as a shared language. Not seeing the joke as you laughed when I said, we're almost the same person. What is growth? What is change? What is growth? What is just change? You were becoming a different person. I didn't know when I lost you. You reminded me I never had you... A person can't possess another person. A person barely possesses themselves. You are splitting hairs. Your semantics, a razor cleaving and cutting, removing dead wood. What is shed? What remains? What is shed? What remains? The years in between were lost at sea among waves and rocks, confusing manatees for mermaids, siren songs for lullabies. Nothing was what it seemed. My blonde spot was missing you. In our shared void, how could so much be built on what was lacking? What is ruin? What is a remain? What is a ruin? What is remain? My loneliness took me to old haunts, whispering your name to raise the dead. Then that guy came over, as if I summoned him, saying he had a message from you. As his lips pressed against mine, his meat digging into my thigh, it wasn't a surprise. The essence transcended the flesh. The emptiness filled what we found what was missing. What is growth? What is change? What is growth? What is change? So. <laughs> Bro, we was just talking about change and that's exactly what it is. What you just said, like everything. That's know. exactly how I feel. Like, I wow. Right now, I can't even write no more. Oh. Damn. Bar Thank you. A person barely possesses themselves. Absolutely. That that's incredible. Uh, thank you, thank you. Like it's always, it's always a humbling and amazing experience to have people like yourself and other people who are on here and um. Because hey, I, I know you don't really go live like that, so for you to go live with us My too, like that, that means and I'll, and I'll a put lot. The name of that so much for that. I'll, I'll grab I really it. Well, appreciate we'll that open a mic lot. For the, the dead, dead wrestlers' elegies, because it's an incredible book. It really is.